Book 2, Chapter 6 of A Class Book of Old Testament History by G.F. McClear. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cliffstone of Sydney, Australia. A Class Book of Old Testament History by G.F. McClear. Book 2, Chapter 6, Jacob's Descent into Egypt and Death of Joseph. Genesis chapters 43 to 50, BC 1707 to 1635. But as time went on, and the corn the brothers had brought from Egypt was consumed, it became absolutely necessary to go thither a second time, if they would live and not die. Without Benjamin, however, they knew the journey would be useless, and Benjamin, their father, would not send. At length Judah stood forward as spokesman for the rest, and offered to bear forever in his own person the blame if any evil befell him, till after a struggle Jacob consented. With a present of such things as the land afforded, a little balm, a little honey, spices and myrrh, nuts and almonds, with double money also in their hand, the brothers took Benjamin from his sorrowing father and once more commenced their journey to Egypt. Arrived there, they were again presented to the viceroy, who perceiving that Benjamin was with them, ordered the steward of his house to conduct them home and to slay and make ready, that they might dine with him at noon. Full of fear, the brothers followed the steward, and on the way informed him of their surprise when on their return from their previous visit they found their money in their sacks. The steward, however, answered them kindly, restored Simeon to them, and brought them water to wash their feet. At noon, Joseph returned, and the brothers spread out the present their father had sent bowing themselves before him to the earth. After some questions touching the welfare of the old man they had left in the land of Canaan, he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and his whole soul yearned towards him, and he entered into his chamber and wept there. Thence having washed his face, he returned, commanded the attendants to set on bread, and the brothers sat down, ranged each according to his age. Joseph sat at a table by himself, and the Egyptians in his retinue by themselves, for to eat bread with the Hebrews was regarded by them as an abomination. Then from Joseph's table portions were sent to his brethren, but Benjamin's portion was five times as great as any of theirs, and they drank and were merry with him. Genesis 43 verse 34 The next morning, as soon as it was light, with sacks replenished and rejoicing at the successful termination of their journey, the sons of Jacob commenced their return to Canaan. But they had proceeded only a little way from the city when the steward of Joseph overtook them and charged them with returning evil for all the good they had received and stealing the silver divining cup, Genesis 44 verse 5, belonging to his master. In the full assurance of their innocence, the brothers not only denied the charge, but declared their willingness that the guilty one should die and the rest become bondmen to the viceroy. The sacks were therefore taken from the asses, and lo, in Benjamin's sack, where it had been purposely placed by Joseph's command, the cup was found. Horror struck at the discovery, the brothers returned to the house, and flinging themselves on the ground before Joseph, expressed their resolution to become slaves with Benjamin, rather than return without him to his heartbroken father. In the dialogue that ensued, Judah again was the chief speaker. God, he owned, 
had found out their iniquity, they and he with whom the cup had been found would become Joseph's bondman. To this, however, Joseph would not consent. He with whom the cup had been found, he alone need remain behind in servitude. The rest might return in peace to their father. Then Judah went near to him, who was even as Pharaoh, Genesis 44 verse 18, and in words of utmost pathos related how in obedience to his command, their father had with great difficulty been prevailed on to suffer the child of his old age to accompany them, and how, if he failed to return, he would certainly die, for his life was bound up in the life of his favourite son. Nay more, he continued, he himself had become surety for the lad, and was now ready, rather than bring down the old man's grey hairs with sorrow to the grave, to remain alone in the land of Egypt, a bondman unto his lord, if only Benjamin and the rest might return unto the land of Canaan. Genesis 44 verses 18 to 34. As Judah proceeded with his moving tale, Joseph could restrain himself no longer. He desired every man to leave the chamber, and he and his brethren were left alone. Then amidst many tears, he at length broke forth with the astounding words, I am Joseph. Coupling the revelation with the inquiry, Doth my father yet live? But the brothers were too terrified to answer him a word. Thereupon he bade them come near unto him, and again assured them that he was Joseph, their brother, whom they had sold to the Midianitish caravan. Let them not, he said, be grieved that they had sold him into Egypt. God, who orders all things, had sent him thither before them to preserve their lives, and had made him a father unto Pharaoh, and ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Instead of repining for the past, let them return to the old man, their father, and tell him of all his glory in Egypt, and bring him down, and settle, they and their children, their flocks and their herds, and all that they had, in the goodly country of Goshen frontier. Having thus at length poured forth his pent-up feelings, Joseph fell upon Benjamin's neck, and wept and kissed him, and likewise all his brethren. Tidings of what had occurred soon reached the ears of Pharaoh, who readily assented to Joseph's wish that his father should be suffered to settle in the land. Wagons were then made ready to bring him and all that he had, ample provisions were supplied for the journey and rich presents bestowed upon all the brothers, but especially on Benjamin. Then with a parting charge to see that they fell not out of the way, Genesis 45 verse 24, the sons of Jacob returned to their father, and recounted to him all the strange events that had befallen them. The long-lost Joseph, the son of the beloved Rachel, was alive, nay, he was governor over all the land of Egypt. At the first announcement, Jacob's heart failed him, nor could he believe their words. But when the wagons that Joseph had provided came in sight, then at length his spirit revived, and he exclaimed, It is enough! Joseph, my son, is yet alive! I will go and see him before I die. Genesis 45 verse 28 To forsake, however, the familiar pasture grounds of Hebron, to leave the soil promised to him and to his seed forever, required of the patriarch no little resolution. Abraham had gone down to Egypt, but only to involve himself in great difficulties. Isaac had been on the point of going thither when he was restrained by the hand of God. Genesis 26 verse 2 did the divine blessing rest on that journey, which an imperious necessity now induced him to essay? Jacob was not long left in doubt. On reaching Beersheba, 
the Almighty appeared to him in vision, and bade him lay aside all apprehensions. In Egypt, in the land of the mighty pharaohs, he would not fail to protect him. There he would make him a great nation, and thence in the fullness of time he would bring his seed back to the land of promise. Thus encouraged, Jacob arose from Beersheba, and with his sons, their wives and their little ones, their herds, their flocks, and all the goods they had gotten in the land of Canaan, commenced his journey. Judah led the way, and on the frontier of Egypt, the patriarch met his long-lost son, and fell upon his neck, and wept on his neck a good while. Arrived in the land of the pharaohs, five of Joseph's brethren were introduced to the reigning monarch. They told him that they were shepherds, that they had come down into Egypt in consequence of the severity of the famine, and requested permission to settle as strangers and foreigners in Goshen, the most easterly frontier land of Egypt, and offered to become guardians of the royal herds. Permission was granted, and Jacob himself was introduced to Pharaoh and bestowed his blessing upon the monarch. Genesis 47 verses 1 through 10 The period of Jacob's own sojourning in the land of Ham, Psalms 105 verse 23, was limited to 17 years, at the close of which he had reached the age of 147 and perceived that his end was nigh. Informed that his father was sickening, Joseph brought his two sons Ephraim and Manasseh and placed them before his bedside. Guiding his hands wittingly, the aged patriarch stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, though he was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, though he was the firstborn. At this Joseph was displeased and would have altered the disposition of his father's hands. But Jacob refused, and with his hands as they were, bestowed upon the young men and their father his solemn and abiding blessing. Though born in Egypt, Ephraim and Manasseh were to be reckoned as his own sons, and would both grow into great tribes. But as it had been in Jacob's own case, so would it be with them. The younger brother would be greater than the elder, and his seed should become a multitude of nations. Then turning to Joseph, the patriarch bestowed on him a special mark of affection, even one portion above his brethren a piece of land which with his sword and his bow he had conquered from the Amorites, probably outside the green vale of Shechem. Genesis 48 verse 22, Joshua 17 verse 14, etc. And now the day drew nigh when the patriarch's eventful life must close. Wishing by virtue of the gift of prophecy, which gained greater power the nearer he approached the borders of the eternal world, to tell them that which should befall them in the last days, he desired that his sons might be summoned to his bedside. Obedient to his word, they gathered round him, and then in prophetic trance, but having his eyes open, he beheld the mighty vision of the future, and predicted their several fortunes in the land, through which he himself had wandered as a pilgrim for more than one hundred years. First, before him stood Reuben, over whom in the tents of Laban he had rejoiced as his firstborn, his might and the beginning of his strength. To him, by the law of primogeniture, belonged the headship of the family and the double inheritance. But he had proved unworthy of his vocation. Unstable as water, he should not excel. Next in order of their birth came Simeon and Levi. Brethren of one mother, they had been also brethren in cruelty and deceit. In their conduct toward the Shechemites, they had proved the fierceness of their anger and the cruelty of their disposition. Unworthy were they 
to be the head of a nation which was to be a blessing and not a curse to all peoples of the earth. Therefore were they to be divided in Jacob and scattered in Israel. Next came Judah, and to him the patriarch could assign a portion at least of the blessing of the firstborn. His should be the preeminence in power and dignity. Him should his brethren praise, before him should his father's children bow down. His should be the scepter and the lawgiver, nor from beneath his feet should they ever depart, till Shiloh, the peaceable or peacemaker, came. Genesis 49 verses 1 to 10. Having thus transferred the privileges of the firstborn to Judah and predicted the fortunes of his other sons, the dying patriarch once more solemnly adjured them, as he had already adjured Joseph, not to leave his bones in Egypt, but to carry them into the land of hope and promise and lay them in the cave of Machpelah in the family grave of his fathers. And then he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost. Obedient to such reiterated commands, Joseph caused his father's body to be embalmed in the Egyptian fashion by the physicians and obtained permission from Pharaoh to accompany his remains to the burial place he had marked out for them. Then at the head of a numerous retinue, composed not only of the members of his own family, but also of the court officers of Pharaoh and the grandees of the empire, and accompanied by chariots and horsemen, he set out. The nearest road would have been by Gaza, and through the territory of the Philistines. Instead of this, the funeral procession took a long, circuitous route round Mount Seir and the eastern side of the Dead Sea, and halted at the threshing floor of Atad on the east side of the Jordan opposite Jericho. Here seven days were spent in solemn mourning, and so grievous was the lamentation that the Canaanites of the Jordan Valley called the spot Abel Mizraim, the meadow, or the mourning of the Egyptians. Further than this point, the Egyptian retinue did not seem to have proceeded. The sons of Jacob alone crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan and laid their father in the cave of Machpelah by the side of Abram, Isaac and Sarah. Genesis 50 verses 1 to 13. The funeral over, Joseph and his brethren returned to Egypt. Fearful now their father was dead that the viceroy would requite them for all the evil they had done towards him, the sons of Jacob sent a messenger to intercede in their behalf. But Joseph calmed their fears and assured them of safety and protection. Together then they dwelt in peace and security in the land of Goshen. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation and the children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, brought up upon his knees. At length, when he reached the age of 110, perceiving that his end was near, he sent for his brethren and having assured them that God would certainly visit them and bring them up out of Egypt into the land which he had promised to their forefathers, and taken an oath of them that they would remove his bones into the same good land, he died, and was embalmed and laid in a coffin in Egypt. Genesis 50 verse 26 End of Book 2, Chapter 6 Recorded by Cliff Stone of Sydney, Australia